Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,103. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Minnesota. I think I've got to say that with the right accent, with a very special friend of mine, Steve Bernstein. Steve, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely. Let's dump it. And I should say, are you ready to release the shutter? Because we're going to be talking about photography today and a passion for taking pictures and cars and so forth. But before we start, Steve... I want you to share one little thing with our listeners that maybe most people don't know about you. Well, I probably know the producer and star of Cars Yeah longer than any other guest that's <laughs> ever been on. That's 2,102 guys before me. Let me think about that. You are, you have to be right. Yeah, what uh, you listeners may not know is that Steve and I went to junior high and high school together. We spent much of our youth in the Pacific Ocean surfing. Uh, we've known each other a long time, haven't we? We have. It's been quite a great ride, too. Well, it has. And I'll tell you something fun, listeners. Steve and I, you know, you go off to college and we go our own ways. And Steve went off to the Midwest. Is that where you went to college? Actually, college up in Berkeley, but found my way back to Midwest for a career. So That's right. So we kind of lost touch for a while. And then I get a call from Steve some years ago. And he says, hey, I'm going to be at the SEMA show. Want to get together for a meal? And I'm like, what? And there was a bit of a rekindling of a friendship, which has continued on. And we've done some fun things together. I exposed Steve to a car week. Uh, I think I blew him away with that one, right? Yeah, absolutely outstanding time up there, Mark. Yeah, that was fun. And I've done my best to get him into some great events to do some photography for cars. Yeah. So, yeah, we've re reunited uh, through cars. I wish I could say it's through surfing, but it's been a long time since I've been on a surfboard. I think it was uh, my 50th birthday. I took the family to Hawaii. My son and I went surfing. And I think that was the last time I was on a surfboard. So uh, maybe once or twice since then. But, uh, yeah, we've had a great life. And uh, Steve... Are, is having a lot of fun because in addition to a very successful career, he's got a little side hustle going where he is enjoying photography and his passion for cars. So let me give Steve a little introduction and we're going to dive into his world. Steve Bernstein has been a car guy since childhood, reading Car and Driver and Road and Track cover to cover since the early 70s. He started tinkering with cars, especially VWs in high school auto shop. I think I was there, too, with my Carmagia. It was in high school that he also caught the photo bug and began his professional photography career. Steve's now fortunate to combine his passion for cars and photography as he covers local and regional events in the Midwest, as well as national events for a variety of clients. Cars, yeah, that would be one of them. Steve's robust photographic business also covers sailboat racing. He lives on a beautiful lake and drone photography, as well as busy studio work where he creates professional high-end headshots. Steve's very fortunate to have the flexibility with his day job as a urologist, allowing him to engage in his passion for photography. So we'll call him Dr. Bernstein today. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. So please give them a little bit of love. They're the reason the lights are on. And we'll be right back. 
Covercraft's newest five-layer indoor cover is especially engineered for indoor use, providing maximum dust protection when your vehicle's stored in the garage. Your five-layer indoor cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Even if your vehicle is always inside, dust and fallout can damage the paint, and an extra layer of soft, breathable material protects from accidental bumps and rubs. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover, custom fit to fit the car like a glove. And I have a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH, Y-E-A-H-2-1 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Zengen, it's an oil analysis kit that allows you to sample your engine's oil and learn about its inner health with your personalized and detailed Zengen report. At only $39.95 and free shipping both ways, your Zengen oil analysis costs less than an oil change. It's really simple. Their easy-to-use sample kit takes less than five minutes to collect your sample and mail it back to their world-class labs. It's only five days, and they'll send you your own Zengen score via email. Your report measures 30 different data points, including contamination, metals, lubricants, additives, and a whole lot more. Whether you're buying or selling a vehicle, nearing the end of your warranty, heading out on a road trip, or caring for your vintage collector car, Zengen helps prevent costly repairs, allowing you to get the most value out of your vehicle. I did, and I'm so relieved to learn that my vehicles are doing just fine. Go to ZengenScore.com and use the code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off. Boom! What a deal. Preventative knowledge and maintenance could save you thousands, and you'll rest better at night knowing your engine's condition is just right. That's ZengenScore.com and use the code CARSYEAH20 today. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company. And I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework. I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. So, Steve, uh, let's have a little bit more fun here. The reason I wanted you to be on the show, not only because 
longtime friends and we share this passion for cars was because you're one of these guys that have figured out this kind of side hustle to take your passion for cars and photography and create a business out of it on top of your very busy job as a surgeon, as a doctor. I want you to talk a little bit about when this all started and we'll dive in a little deeper into the different types of photography that you do because you don't just cater to one field. You do a lot of cool stuff. So take it away. Well, thanks for your kind words, Mark. I, I appreciate it. It kind of started back in middle school and my dad gave me a camera and taught me how to use it. And I took a liking to it and I got pretty good at it. And by the time I was 15, I was hired by the local newspaper. You might remember the La Jolla Light Mark. Of course. And uh, they'd send me on assignment to take pictures, but I didn't have a driver's license. So I'd, I'd ride my bike to assignments <laughs> and I'd take pictures, drive my bike home and wait for it to get dark out. And I'd process the film in my dark room, which was really a bathroom. And then I'd print the images. And then on my way to school the next morning, I'd drop the pictures off at the newspaper and I'd slide them under the door because they weren't there yet. And if they used my pictures, I got five bucks a piece. <laughs> five so <laughs> that was, yeah, that was big money back then, 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. And what happened was the camera became sort of my admission ticket to some really cool things. And working for the newspaper, I was invited to uh, social events and grand openings and sporting events. And I'd cover the Del Mar Fair for them. And uh, back then, the Andy Williams San Diego Open Golf Tournament. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the camera was kind of, it was my ticket. And the better I got at it, the more the phone rang. And truthfully, it's kind of been that way now for, for about 50 years. Well, it's pretty amazing because you would think for many people, well, I found my niche. I know what I want to do, and that's going to be my profession. But you went off to college, and you became a doctor and had a career as a physician, still do to this day. But has photography always during this entire time that you've been a physician been as big a part of your life? You know, I, I say it, it sort of comes and goes. Um, there were times where I had to buckle down uh, during my surgical training and, and, and do less photography and, and more sort of training stuff. But um, there's also been periods where my uh, requirements for work have been a little less and the photography thing has gotten bigger. And now as uh, I sort of have the medicine stuff dialed in, I have more and more time to spend you know, looking for new venues of photographic challenge. And a couple of years ago, I picked up the drone and, and kind of taught myself how to fly and how to take drone pictures. And that has absolutely exploded. We've done a book and a number of puzzles and uh, the drone thing's been phenomenal as well. So um, it's coming gone, Mark, but overall, I'd say the trend is to do more and more photography. And, and I see that even moving into the future. Well, I remember back in junior high and high school, you were not, you were one of those kids kind of like me. I had my, my own detailing business from the time I was 14. I was always a bit entrepreneurial trying to find ways to earn a little extra money to buy a new surfboard. I think my first new surfboard was, remember McLeod's? Oh, sure. Yeah. And I remember going down to, uh, what was that surf shop down on Pearl? Uh, Mitch's. Yeah. Go to Mitch's and, uh, I bought a few boards from him, which I thought was pretty cool, all with that, that money. But you're a guy that does not like to sit around still and meaning sitting still you're always trying to find things to do and, and what's cool is this photography you've gotten into now when you and i reconnected at sema you talked about this uh headshot photography re you were doing talk a little bit about that yeah so kind of a crazy thing mark about five years ago i got a call from a neighbor who asked me if i would host a sailboat racing team from new york at my house to participate in a national championship sailing event on our local lake and I was a little reluctant at first, but he kind of talked me into it. And 
couple weeks later, this team shows up from New York, these three guys, and they launch their boat and keep it at my house. And it turns out they're, they're good sailboat racers. They, they're former national champs. And it turns out one of those guys was a photographer. That was his day job. And I kind of got to know him. And it turns out he was a headshot photographer, which I didn't know there was such a thing. And the more I talked to him, the more I realized that this guy is actually the headshot photographer. He's like the number one guy in the world. And guys in my house for a week, and we spend time on the water together and time in the evenings shooting the baloney. And he kind of convinced me to spend some time with him to see what he does and to see whether it might be something that I wanted to do. And when I realized how good he was and how much of a system he had made out of it, uh, I thought, my gosh, that's that's the next frontier. It's kind of like if Jack Nicholas invites you to play golf with him for a week or two, <laughs> yeah. you might you might pay attention yeah. and you might end up buying a bag full of clubs when, it, when it's over. So that's kind of what happened. And it, it really complements the action photography that I do because it's, it's a whole different deal. It's all about emotion and one-on-one connection with the client in the studio. And it's a time limited event. It's a, it's a two hour event as opposed to a three day race weekend in long beach, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole different deal. And I find it immensely satisfying. Yeah, uh, for sure. And you're very good at it. You know, I'm always curious when you're shooting headshots of people and it's kind of like having conversations like I do with people. Some people, it's very natural. It's easy for them. Other people, they're a little nervous. They're unsettled. They don't quite know what's going to happen and they're worried. Am I going to sound okay? I would imagine it's the same when you're shooting people's uh, portraits because they're going to be using these mostly for business type uh, settings. So what are some of the things that you learn? I mean, did you take some of your bedside manner, if you will, with patients? Because you've got to have a good skill set for that as well when you're dealing with people's um, you know, medical conditions. They're nervous, they're upset, you've got to calm them down. Did any of that translate over to doing great headshots? Yeah, I think it really does. And I would say the first step, Mark, is probably getting good at the craft, uh, much like you have for your craft of interviewing and talking to people. And when you have that skill set, the people you're communicating with understand that and appreciate that, and they let you take the responsibility to make sure that things are going to go well. So it's got to be a trust such as the trust that I have in you to produce this show and to do a great job. So I would say the getting the technical parts down and earning the trust is the first step. And then the second step is that communication piece, because a great headshot is all about the expression. And a great expression only happens when people are comfortable and they're engaged in a conversation. So we have a conversation much like this one. But they're in front of the camera, and I position them to the uh, best uh, to optimize the the look to the camera. And then we just we play just like you play, and that's that's when the really good happens. You know, I was thinking of you today because I was reading an article about the great master painters, and I thought I've got to ask Steve this question when we talk. Many of the great masters always shot people's or painted people's portraits from the left side of their face. And the reason they say they did that is the left side of the face shows a lot more emotion than the right. Now, I had never heard that before. If you think back to all the wonderful portraits you've done, and I'll tell you, listeners, he's got a great name for this, Your Spectacular Face. I mean, what a way to set people up for a great time. I'm going to shoot Your Spectacular Face. That was brilliant. Have you experienced any of that, the left side of somebody versus the right? You know, I I don't know that I buy that, Mark. Um, (laughs) I think think people have different sides that sometimes present better, Mm -hmm. more attractive, or prettier. And I would say that there are some people that the left side presents better and some people the right side presents better. And I would also say that there's a lot of people that are what we call ambifacial, 
that both sides are about a wash, about the same. And there's other people that really present best squared up to the camera. So I'm not sure I'm that left face thing. Not, some people might believe that or the author of that piece might, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I might. I'd never heard it before, so that's why I had to ask. Uh, but you're right. Everybody's face is a little different. And you see a lot of these apps these days where they'll take one side of your face and flip it over because very few people's face is the same on both sides. If you really start to analyze people's faces, you start to realize that. And, and I even have done that looking at people that I've known for a long time and go, Wow, man, you're right. Their eyes, not as bad as Alfred E. Newman, maybe, but their eyes aren't quite lined up or, you know, something's a little bit different. But uh, your spectacular face, you've got a website for that, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, oddly enough, it's called yourspectacularface.com. Okay, there you go. I love it. Now, the other part of what you shoot and what you really love to do, you mentioned it was sailing, but also with racing and cars, is power play action images. And when you and I got together, Seema, you said, you know what, I would love to go and shoot images for you at different events. And with, with my media uh, access, I've sent Steve to many great events to go shoot for me. But we really kind of started when I took you to Car Week, and it was your first Car Week at Pebble Beach. And I'll never forget the look on your face after our first day at the uh, Carmel, uh, the Concours on the Street at Carmel and we started very early and we were, you know, long day and you were like, wow, what a day. And I said, well, that's just the start. We've got like six more of these to go. And you're like, what? Uh, how was that experience for you as a photographer? Well, Mark, as a photographer and also as a car guy, it was, it was absolute uh, overload. Had you sent me home after the first day, I would have been totally stoked with that. But it was just, you know, I don't know, we were five days or six days yeah. of just taking the most interesting, coolest, weirdest stuff, you know, and um, it was just eye-popping. And I literally go back and look at those files and, and I rethink sort of what you and I saw and how we had conversations about some of the stuff. And then you and I did a little exploring on our own. And it was it was absolutely wonderful. And uh, to any of your listeners who that had the opportunity to do that, um, I would strongly endorse it. You don't have to do the full meal deal like we did, you know, at the five or six days, but taking in some part of car week is, is really, really stunning. It was fun. Yeah, we had a great time. The other great part of it is I got to introduce Steve to a lot of people that I knew down there and uh, to make connections with and so forth. So really, really fun. Now, when you're shooting through PowerPlay Action Images, that side of your business, are there particular types of photography that you prefer over the other? You know, really, if it if it flies or floats or moves fast or competes, it's pretty cool. And I love doing it. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was invited to participate in the Ryder Cup, um, which was a pretty big golf event uh, here in the Twin Cities. And that really involved a year and a half of preparations at the Hazeltine uh, Golf uh, Course, as well as the event, which was the week uh, when it finally came came to fruition. And I'm not, I'm not a golfer, so I don't really know much about the game, but just to watch the process and to see how it evolved and to get the opportunity to document it uh, inside the ropes was really outstanding. So I love new adventures and happy to tackle uh, anything. You know, one of the things I've learned having had so, hundreds of photographers on the show, some of them have talked about they've shot certain races so many times that they know where to be at certain times of the day to get the right light because photography is all about light and that just comes with time. And when you're covering a track like, well, you've gone to uh, the Long Beach Historic Grand Prix and the Grand Prix there, um, I would assume you've, have you been to Indy? Have you shot the Indy 500? 
I've not shot the 500, but I've shot sports car racing at Indy on the road course. The road course. Yeah, okay. Well, that's probably more interesting. Maybe. I don't know. I, I would think that it would be. Um, maybe a lot more corners and things like that. I went to the first F1 race there, and it was really great fun. I've been to the Indy 500. I know it's a big oval, and it's exciting, and everything's great about it, but I like the road courses. I think they're a little more, little bit more interesting. When you think about what I call driving inspirations in your life, have there been people in your life or a person in your life that's been a very influential uh, driver, a key mentor, someone who's helped you, and maybe specifically in your photography uh, venture? Well, I, uh, there's been a few, certainly. Way back in the day, the surfing world, uh, Jeff Devine and the Ader brothers oh, yeah. uh, in La Jolla were, were real pioneers, as you know, in surf photography. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to meet those guys and, and get to know them when we were all young. And we all had water cameras. We'd go out in the surf with our fins on and, and shoot surfing and talk about the stuff. And I, I still maintain contact with Kirk, you know, here more than 50 years later. So oh, really? Th- th- yeah, yeah. So that's super cool. And he's still taking pictures of surfers uh, living in Hawaii now for many decades. Wow. Uh, so That's cool. Yeah, those guys were great. And we, we had a mutual connection at the camera shop who was kind of all of our friends and just a few years older than we were. And he was really a mentor Help me out, help me build my dark room and sort of figure out some of the basics of the business of photography. So there, there's been a number of guys along the way. And then, of course, Peter Hurley, the headshot guy here a few years ago, has played a huge role as well. Well, it sounds like you've been having some fun. Now, do you see yourself as you, I mean, at some point, I would assume you'll put your stethoscope up on the wall and uh, retire from your medical field. I don't know if there's a requirement in medicine or not, but I would assume that will come at some point. Do you see continuing to do your photography or maybe expanding it after that? Yeah, I really, I really do. And, you know, we look at some of the senior photographers, uh, maybe that you and I have met and, and some of these guys are pretty old and oh, yeah. uh, they enjoy it and they still contribute to the game. And I don't think there's any reason that a guy couldn't continue action photography and certainly headshot photography, you know, well into their maturity. I mean, you could do headshots. You know, if you had a cane or a walker, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think I got a few shots left of me, Mark. Yeah, I think so. Now, you've got a great eye about you. And, you know, I, I follow Steve, and you can follow him on Facebook, and he posts a lot of his photography there, which is really cool. And I wanted to say hats off to you because you mentioned earlier you created – have you done more than one book now? You did a book, and you took some imagery for puzzles, and you're selling products in stores and things? I mean, that's tremendous. Yeah, it's it's been really good. And our first book is entitled Above Lake Minnetonka. Mm-hmm. So it features a lot of the activities uh, of our community, sailboat racing and paddle boarding and swimming and comp- competitive events the year round. So a lot of winter activities as well, which is super cool. And the book is sold crazy well, which has been fun. And we're working on a follow-up book called Above Twin Cities. Oh, cool. Yeah, greater sphere of, of interest. And we're about halfway through that book, and it'll be uh, going to press uh, probably in time for the holiday season this year. Very cool. Can people get a hold of these on your website? They can, and also directly uh, now at AboveLakeMinnetonka.com. Oh, cool. I'll make sure I put a link to that on your show notes page. I'll tell you, listeners, another interesting sidebar here is uh, having lived in Minnesota a long time like Steve has. I have a good friend named Douglas who lives here. I met him. He was one of my first friends I got to be friends with when I moved here from California 29 years ago. Our kids grew up together. And it turns out that Douglas grew up in the same neighborhood 
with Steve. And there's a couple other car guys there, the Dayton brothers, uh, who have some very cool cars. And I think you told me about one early morning you're out on your bike going for a ride and some guy in a Ferrari, uh, was it a GTO, almost ran over you or a 250 GT sort of wheelbase. Yeah, good memory on the car. And yeah, that car's still around and it still makes a lot of really juicy noise. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, absolutely. He's had that car, I think, since college. So it's been in the family. So this car world is a small world. We'll take a short break. We come back. We'll talk a little bit about some challenges, maybe, or one. So keep the seatbelts tight. We'll be right back. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of carnauba wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang a Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, Will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Steve, I always ask my guest about a challenge, an obstacle, a failure, something that you came up against that really kind of pushed you to your limits. And it's really not so much about the situation or drumming up an old bad situation. It's more about what did it teach you so you can move forward in a positive way. So share one of those with us, would you? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Mark. In my 
non-photographic career, I basically had three jobs spanning 30 years now. And what I learned was when I was in my first job, I thought it was going to be my job for my entire career, for my entire working life. Mm -hmm. But the more I got into it, the more I realized there were parts that were a good fit and parts that were lacking. And that caused me to do something I was not the least bit prepared to do. And that was to open my eyes to other possibilities. And as I opened my eyes to other possibilities, I realized that there was perhaps a better fit for my skill set and my personality. So even though I kind of felt like I was going to be there for my whole career, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I was not intended to do that. So I made change number one, got in my second practice, and got situated with it in the same deal. Over a period of years, there were lots of good about it, but there were other things that were, were still lacking. And while I was in that position, I sort of dreamed up my dream job. And I crafted it into a proposal and I pitched it. And much to my surprise, the team I pitched it to bought the idea and, and hired me. So what I learned is that we can have the best intentions of doing a certain job or in a certain place, but we, I think, are well served to keep our eyes and ears and brain open to other options and other possibilities and to dream big and build the credibility to allow our dreams to become reality. Very well said. And I know for you, your career has been in medicine, but this required going back to school again, right? And retraining in some different areas? Yeah, I'm actually not a retraining deal. It was really a pivot of the same position under different management. So let's talk about a bucket list thing, Steve. Something that you would love to go shoot in the future. There's got to be some events that you're dying to get to. Oh, my goodness. There's uh, probably an unlimited number of events I'd love to shoot. But but I tell you what, um, the La Jolla Concours would be high on that list. You know, it'd be great to, to see the event. It'd be great to get back home. My mom's still there. And um, I've seen images from the last few years, which are just beautiful. So I, I'd love a chance to shoot that. Well, next year, uh, I got to go this year. I've been to most of them, except for the very early ones when it really wasn't as I would say is a spectacular, but today it's kind of like a mini Pebble Beach, especially with, of course, you know, the cove, that setting. You and I probably spent time body surfing out there off boomers and so forth and swimming out there. Um, but it's a beautiful event. Uh, I just wish the park was a little bigger because they could have put more cars there. But we'll have to get you there next year. How's that sound? Absolutely. Put me down for next year. Okay, for sure. So I want you to talk about a special vehicle in your life. I always ask people about a special vehicle story, something that really stands out for you. Is there one car that really stands out for you? And if so, tell us about that ride. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one, Mark. Um, that, that'd be my first car, which was a 1972 VW Super Beetle convertible. And, you know, I lusted for cars since I was like six years old. And when I got to be 16, I had like 10 years of thought and dreams into this bad boy. And I remember finding this car, this light blue Beetle convertible with a white top in the LA Times classifieds one Sunday morning. And my dad had heard about enough of me talking about cars. He said, should we go up and, and take a look at it? And sure enough, he and I drove up to LA with uh, some cash in hand and saw this magnificent low mileage driven by a little old lady in Santa Monica <laughs> yeah. Beetle. And it took about 20 minutes to drive it and give her the money and, and turn around and head south. And God, I just love that car, Mark. I, we painted it and I changed the suspension out. I ended up changing the motor out and just kind of tweaked it, got all the rattles out of it, put in a really top end cassette deck. So we had good tunes 
and uh, that was that was the car. You know, yeah. While you were in that, I was in my Karma Gia, uh, but I always kind of wanted a convertible. I wish my Gia was a convertible, but I did the same thing on mine. And my sister, I don't know if you remember, Lisa, she had a '73 Super Beetle that um, one of the Sabikas actually painted for her. I think it was John. I think painted that car for for me for her. We surprised her and gave it a new paint job, a, a nice metallic blue paint job. So uh, you remember the Sabikas, right? Oh, sure. Very well. Yeah, I think one of them still he has a restaurant in Del Mar there, I believe. So uh, uh, the guy that we graduated with, but his little brother, John, went to the same grade as my sister. So I'm going to be your car psychologist. Today, I'm going to be the physician. So sit back on the couch and give this some thought. If you were reincarnated as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive your personality as a vehicle, what would Steve be? But more importantly, why? Well, I'm going to go back to that uh, 72 Super Beetle. Okay. Yeah. I mean, classic looks that nobody would consider good looking. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, but, come on. <laughs> but look, it's not offensive. It kind of grows on you. So that kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not too fast, but you put it in a low enough gear, it'll get up most hills. Comfortable in the sunshine and, and the breeze and uh, fairly low maintenance. So I, I think I think that's it. Well, that sounds pretty cool. That's not the answer I thought I would get, though. Interesting. But that's why I like that question. It always brings out somebody's uh, inner sense of who they are. So I appreciate you giving that some good thought. So today I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. This is the fantasy drive. I'm going to buy you any vehicle in the world. Yours, park it in your garage. You can take it anywhere in the world and you can be with anybody, including somebody who's passed. So what does the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you? And I know you like fast cars. Uh, You've expanded beyond that Beetle in your uh, career life. What does the ultimate drive look like for you, Steve? Uh, My ultimate drive, Mark, is uh, slow. It's slow. (laughs) Slow, Um, okay. Yeah. So my ultimate drive is a 73 VW bus with a (laughs) four-speed. Yeah, that is slow. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm in the right lane. Where I, where I need to be, okay. and I've got my, my wife and my two kids and uh, my sisters, and who unfortunately have passed, and, and, and we're going to squeeze in my parents, too. So okay. it's going to be the new whole family. family. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not too surprised by that answer, because um, I know your family guy, and you know, uh, that's pretty cool. And that's a great part of that question is bringing people back to share an experience with. And uh, I always love it when people answer that question with family or someone in their family, or even sometimes I hear, well, you know, the grandfather I never knew or somebody that I can ask them questions and so forth. So, so I'm guessing that while you're in this VW bus, there's some boards strapped to the top and maybe you're heading up the coast. Yeah, for sure. And and now I'm the boards on top, but there's bikes on the back, Mark. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a fun trip for sure. Well, Steve, I'm glad that we got to do this. I'm really excited for this photography you're doing because it's, it's absolutely spectacular. And I'll tell listeners, I'll put links to his website if you're in his area and you need a good face shot. And I'll tell you something, a great face shot most people don't have that. And you go and look, let's say on LinkedIn, and you look at many of the the face shots or headshots, and they're just terrible. I mean, they're like cropped pictures of someone at a party or they're half, you know, out of focus. And there's nothing like a great headshot, right? To present yourself in a professional way. Yeah, I think you said it really well. You know, great headshots open doors and, and crappy headshots don't. So 
in the competitive world that a lot of us live in, uh, I want to be the guy with the great headshot. Yeah, well, and, and Steve can do it. Could you share some final words of inspiration or wisdom with our listeners before I let you go today? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that um, I'm that deep of a thinker, uh, Mark, but <laughs> I, I got to say that, that throughout my, my life, I've been very fortunate to meet a tremendous number of cool people and build relationships with them. And, and a whole bunch of them are car people. And that's, you know, car people from when we grew up out in Southern California and, and car people in my local community and I'm involved in a number of car clubs and um, we do activities and we do charity events and bring gifts to kids and support schools and, and that sort of thing. So I would say the automotive community has been a really wonderful home uh, and a place to build relationships and it's really um, enhanced the quality of my life. So uh, I, I love what you do, Mark, and, and other people that uh, are, are with you and giving to the community of, of car guys. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been fun. And again, how can people learn more about the many facets of your photography? Well, I recommend they take a look at uh, our websites. Uh, the Headshot website, as you mentioned, is yourspectacularface.com. And our action images can be found at, guess what, powerplayactionimages.com. Yeah, there you go. I'll put links to these on Steve Shonot's page. You can find them on the website. Check them out. There's some wonderful imagery there for you to go and to enjoy. And of course, Steve's available. You want to hire him to take some photography, some photographs for you? Uh, he's your man. So check it out. Steve, thanks for spending some time this evening with us. I know we're doing this uh, after hours because of your busy day. I appreciate you sitting down with me and talking. I can't wait to see you next time at a wonderful event somewhere around the country. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thanks a ton for having me on. Thanks for the great work you do. And uh, I also look forward to seeing you very soon. And we'll have more fun with more cars. Absolutely. That's the thing to do. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!